I'll be marching along in the big parade on St. Patrick's Day. I'll be up to me neck in shamrocks as I march along the way. I'll swing Hi, this is Beth Moon. Welcome to the Holiday Moons podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Randy Moon, and I will be talking about the Blarney Stone. This is Sydney Moon, and I will be talking about some adult drinks you can make during St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. This is Beth, and I will be giving us a St. Patrick's Day trivia quiz. Fun. Very fun. Hope it's not too difficult. It's not. It's oh. not. So, I know holiday happenings for last week. We had, well, three of us had President's Day off last week. So, that was fun. Fun Monday. That is the last federal holiday until the end of May. So, for federal employees, that's the long stretch between... Um, getting holidays several in a row and to having now one every quarter or so. So very, very sad. It's very sad. <laughs> very sad. <laughs> it's a dry stretch here. Yeah. Yes. For some people, they get uh, spring break in between. And speaking of that, one thing I forgot um, that we are planning to do is go to Disney. So Beth and I are going to go to Disney um, the week of St. Patrick's Day. Yep. So that is a manufactured vacate or holiday since we won't have any holidays between President's Day and Memorial Day. But that'll be very fun. That is, yes. Looking forward to that one. Right. What other holiday happenings do we have this week? Well, you could, um, since we're talking about St. Patrick's Day, one of the things that we always watched with the kids and one of my favorite things is the St. Patrick's Day short in the Veggie Tales. DVD, Sumo of the Opera. So it's a St. Patrick's Day short, and Lufti tells the story of St. Patrick's Day to use some time. And he's a sock puppet, or he uses sock puppets. Is he a sock puppet? No, he is a sock puppet. He is a sock yeah. puppet. And he uses felt. It's Lufti's felt board, right? Flannelgraph. Flannelgraph. That's yes. it. <laughs> so it's adorable, and it's, it's a great synopsis of St. Patrick and his what all he went through in his time. Throwing in a little humor as well. Oh, yes. Yes. It is VeggieTales. Yeah. So, yes. It's fun. We actually covered that. Beth, you reviewed that uh, episode of VeggieTales in our Season 2, Episode 11 podcast. Yes. I really enjoy that one. We've always wrote, the whole family has really loved that one. Yes. That is very fun. Since we're talking about St. Patrick's Day and all things Irish, I thought I would look at something that is sometimes referenced on St. Patrick's Day for us non-Irish people, and that is the Blarney Stone. So what do you guys think the Blarney Stone is? A stone. A lucky stone. So it's a lucky stone. A rock. It's it's being very literal. (laughs) It's a rock. A lucky rock. (laughs) Yes. What does it do? Does it bestow luck? Yes. What is a bestow? That's well. That's what I always think when you say the Blarney Stone. It's like, ooh, that's a lucky one. Yes. Yes, and and what do you do to the Blarney Stone? Do you kiss it? Yes, you kiss the Blarney Stone. Yeah. So this was really interesting for me because I actually have only been exposed to information about the Blarney Stone via T-shirts and references in TV shows or movies. Like I really have never done any research on the Blarney Stone, and it's really not what I thought it was at all. Okay. So, about five miles northwest of the small city of Cork is this village of Blarney. In Ireland? In Ireland, yes. So, near the village, 
um, there's a castle there that stands about 90 feet tall. And that's what houses the world-famous Blarney Stone. And more than 300,000 people come each year to kiss the Blarney Stone. So the interesting thing about the Blarney Stone... Great way to spread, spread germs. <laughs> I don't I know thinking, if they purex it between people or not. Uh, you could do it yourself. Bring your hand sanitizer and sanitize your little spot <laughs> right. on the stone before kissing it. So one of the interesting things about the Blarney Stone is it's actually a difficult thing to do. To kiss it? Yes, to kiss it. Okay. Because it's 90 feet up. Okay, so it's up at the tops of oh. the castle for one thing. And then it's at the parapet. And there's a gap between the place you can stand, the walkway, and the Blarney Stone. About, I don't know, maybe three feet. And then the Blarney Stone itself is maybe three or four feet below the level of your feet. So you can't just bend down to kiss it. In the past times, to kiss it, people were hung by their heels over the edge of the parapet with nothing below them. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. And they have had people fall out of their grasp. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> so now, instead, in modern times, you sit with your back towards the stone, and then someone sits on your legs and firmly holds your feet. Oh, my goodness. And then you lean far back and downward <laughs> into the abyss. <laughs> While grasping these iron rails. So they have these iron rails like on the wall. Rails that you yes, that you kind of walk yourself down. So you're holding yourself some while they're sitting on your legs. And that gets you low enough. So you're upside down and your head is looking up upwards, basically. Although you're looking like backwards. And that's how you can kiss the stone. Okay. So, so what is the motivation behind it? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, okay. But, but if you think about this, there are so many... They could have moved that Blarney stone or moved... I mean, if that many people are coming to see it, other accommodations could have been made. Make a different landing area. Put it next to it. If they're going to allow people to actually kiss it, like, build <laughs> some, build a little deck around it and right. steps. Like, so, there could be a lot of things to get you there other than hanging upside down. That's crazy. So before we get to Sydney's question of what's the motivation for 300,000 people every year oh to go up the up this top of this castle, have someone sit on their legs, walk down backwards, kiss the Blarney Stone. Um, so before we get to that, talk a little bit more about the Blarney Stone. So first of all, millions of people do this, obviously. like, And they're not just like regular people, like a bunch of Irish people doing it over and over again. It's world statesmen. It's literary giants, legends of the silver screen, movie stars, sports people. I mean, just like all kinds of famous people as well as non-famous people. All socioeconomic and demographic. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. In fact, because of that uh, risk to life and limb where you're being held by your ankles, there was actually a Sherlock Holmes radio dramatization called The Adventure of the Blarney Stone which was first broadcast in 1946, where a man attempting to kiss the Blarney Stone falls to his death. Sherlock investigates the murder and finds that the man's boots have been surreptitiously greased before he kissed the Blarney Stone. What? And so they were holding his, <laughs> his boots and he zipped right out of the boots. <laughs> and I uh, guess the guy didn't warn him, oh, your, your boots seem especially oily today. <laughs> yes, That's right. Exactly. Like, nope. Yeah, as he put him in, oh, my feet went in right away. That's unusual. How convenient. Good grief. Yes, so pretty interesting. So, so why do people kiss the Blarney Stone? Is it for luck? No, the answer is it's not for luck. Oh, really? Yep. 
Must be for something really important to do all that work. So let's talk about the word Blarney first before we talk about the, the legend of the Blarney Stone. Nobody knows exactly when or how the word Blarney entered the English language in the dictionary. However, during the time of Queen Elizabeth I, which was in the 1600s, Dermot McCarthy, who was the ruler of the Blarney Castle, was requ required to surrender his fortress to the Queen as a proof of his loyalty. He said he would be delighted to do so, but something always happened at the last moment to prevent his surrender. His excuses became so frequent and indeed so plausible that the official who had been demanding the castle in the name of the queen became a joke at the court. So the person who would go to him <laughs> and demand that he surrender his castle would have to go back to the queen and report why he wasn't. Why he wasn't. So once, when the eloquent excuses of McCarthy were repeated to the queen by this official, she said, Odds bodikins, more Blarney talk. And then the term Blarney has become to mean the ability to influence or coax with fair words and soft speech without giving offense. Mm. So that's what you get from the Blarney Stone, is basically eloquent speech. But you're saying something somebody doesn't want to hear, but you don't give offense because of the eloquence of right, your speech. Right, So the most famous uh, person who kissed the Blarney Stone and seemed to have a difference made was Winston Church Churchill, who kissed the Blarney Stone before he became the Prime Minister. Oh. So people point to the Blarney Stone kiss course, as, the, as the effect. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, not just because of skill and talent or anything. No. Apparently he was a worthless, not skilled person before the Blarney Stone kiss. So. And then... And poof. So the word Blarney can mean empty flattery or beguiling talk. is believed to be derived from a couple sources. So there's history of the Blarney Stone event that uh, for Queen Elizabeth I. And then there's a history of the stone itself. So I'm going to talk about the history of the Blarney Stone kind of magical ability, right? So one, one of the stories involving that involves the goddess Clodna, who's an Irish goddess, and Cormac McCarthy. Cormac traveled to see the queen, but was certain he would not persuade her to change her mind. It wasn't an effective speaker. He met an old woman, doesn't say hag, just an old woman, <laughs> on the way, who told him that anyone who kissed a particular stone in Blarney Castle would be given the gift of eloquent speech. Cormac kissed the stone, and he went on to persuade the queen that he should not be deprived of his land. So that was that's one potential history. The other one, although similar, is, is a little bit different. It still involves the goddess Clodna and Cormac McCarthy, who was the builder of Blarney Castle. So he was involved in a lawsuit in the 15th century. He appealed to Clodna for her assistance. She told McCarthy to kiss the first stone he found in the morning on his way to court. He did so with the result that he pleaded his case with great eloquence and won. In that case, the Blarney Stone is said to impart the ability to deceive without offending. Yeah, deceive is a is an interesting word. That's what I think of as Blarney, like not truthfulness. Right. I don't know where. Yeah, I don't. And I was trying to think. I don't know why, but it was not just eloquence of speech, but it was like yes, yeah, eloquence of speech about something that you don't. That's like either bad news or you don't want to tell somebody, but you need to, whatever it may be. So, yes, so that is completely different than what I thought the Blonding Stone was. So it's interesting that so many people want eloquent speech. Right. And that, so 
the stone that he kissed on his way there, that became the Blarney Stone that yes. was then in the castle? Yeah. Well, well, yes, that's the one. Correct. Well, then how did it end up there in such an odd, hard-to-get spot? Well, he, event- he, put the- he put it there. See, he put that stone there. But there's history of the stone itself. So the history of it being magical in this way yeah. only goes back a few hundred years, right? But the history of the stone itself is said to have come from uh, much different places. For instance, the Blarney Castle uh, was actually constructed in 1446. So that's the time frame that that stone would have been put in there. But there's legends like it said that the the Blarney Stone is the rock that Moses struck with his staff to produce water for the Israelites during their exodus from Egypt. Wow, it kept up well. Or it was Jacob's pillow and that the prophet Jeremiah had brought it to Ireland. It also is sometimes referred to as Lea Fail or the Fatal Stone, which is used as the oracle throne of the Irish kings. Also, continuing the kind of where did the stone itself come from, some believe it was the stone of Ezel, which David hid behind on Jonathan's advice while fleeing from King Saul, and that it was brought to Ireland during the Crusades. It may have once been the coronation stone of the Scottish monarchs, later used by St. Columba as a traveling altar during his missionary activities throughout Scotland. After Columba's death, it was brought to Ireland, where it served as the stone of destiny, the prophetic power of the royal succession. So it's got an even deeper history than the one... um, the just the magic of the stone event itself with Cormac and and the one of those Irish goddesses along the way. So the most commonly accepted story of where the stone came from was from Robert the Bruce of Scotland in gratitude for Irish support at the Battle of Bonnockburn in 1314, which was the Scottish defeat of the English. Installed at Cormac McCarthy's stronghold, Blarney Castle, it became known as the Blarney Stone. So it was gifted from Robert the Bruce to the Irish. So why did Robert the Bruce think it was lucky? Why was it a gift? Uh, well, the, the, again, it goes back to it may have related. The stories kind of like come together in some okay, way. so he thought it say, was one of those stones. Right, he would have thought it was a, a stone of great power uh, because the references here are more to biblical story references, right? Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And it, there was a lot of weight put on biblical items carrying power but the only thing that this has ever done and only dates back to the, the time of McCormick was this whole Blarney <laughs> speaking right. with eloquence right without yeah. offending kind of thing over things so um so it doesn't do other things there's no other miracles related to it and there's not a history of miracles before mm. that it was just a stone that was being passed around uh, over time now they have done research on the stone to say is this stone of Irish origin or somewhere else. So the latest uh, from Glasgow University seems to indicate that the stone itself is Irish in nature. So if it was given to the Irish by the Scots, it would have first had to been taken to the Scots. From Ireland. From Ireland and then returned. So um, it's hard to say. So I thought that was kind of interesting and not what I expected out of the Blarney Stone at all. Right. Yeah, that is... Well, thank you, Dad, for that very interesting legend and history about a rock that (laughs) I actually didn't know existed until you just spoke of today. I've heard of the word Blarney, but 
Didn't realize it actually related to anything. Yeah. Oh, that's so, interesting. Um, you didn't know about the Blarney Stone at all? Nope. Not at all. Yeah. Interesting. Now, when you see those Irish shirts on St. Patrick's Day that have referenced Blarney in some way, now you can give them the history. That's right. That's right. Even deeper history. Even deeper. That's right. That's right. That's Did right. you know that <laughs> you can go out? Well, all this talk of history makes me thirsty for a drink on the rocks. <laughs> so, here are some fun adult drinks. That you can make for you and your friends during St. Patrick's Day. Of note, they're all green. I know, it's, it's very shocking. <laughs> oh, that's Which we know from our previous St. Patrick's Day podcast that that's not how Irish in Ireland celebrate. Right. So this is definitely American. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You Let's have... make it more fun. Yes. Let's <laughs> turn everything green. After all of this, you're going to think this is so fun. Yes. Okay, so the first one is the Misty Mint St. Patrick's Day Cocktail. It is literally two ingredients, not counting the ice. Consists of green creme de menthe and white rum over ice. So, it's very fun. It's very simple. Very Very green. Very green. Yeah, Yeah. not a light green. It's a dual colored. Yeah. Lighter on top of the darker. The next is the St. Patrick's Day Irish Cream Coffee Cocktail. Actually, this looks really good. What it is, is a blend of Bailey's Irish Cream, coffee rum, coconut rum, and strongly brewed coffee, some cream, and a little chocolate syrup. So, it looks like almost like a light-colored chocolate milk. Yeah, and that kind of Irish cream coffee cocktail is pretty common yeah. throughout the year, but you could, I could definitely see it. Especially. Yeah, especially yeah. on um, St. Patrick's Day. And that one wasn't green. Right. It, this one isn't either. So... This looks, like, really, really good. So, it's basically uh, the same type of thing. You get the Bailey's Irish Cream. You get, um, you put a couple scoops of, like, ice cream, like vanilla or vanilla with um, chocolate chunk ice cream. I'm listening. (laughs) (laughs) And then you pour um, some of the Bailey um, cream, Irish cream, over it, and then some hot espresso. Oh, wow. So, it really makes an interesting blend, but it looks really good. It also is not green, though. No. It looks more like a kind of a milkshake, doesn't it? Yeah, more yeah. like a, a sweet treat Yeah, versus a drink drink. A sweet alcoholic drink. <laughs> yes. Right, yeah. Yes. The next one is a leprechaun mimosa St. Patrick's Day cocktail. And this is like super crazy green. It, it is. is. It's solid. It's like solid. a bright spring green. Yes. And it contains orange juice and champagne, but the special ingredient whose addition gives... It, this gorgeous lime green color is blue cura, curacao, curacao, C-U-R-A-C-A-O. When you mix the yellow-orange color of the orange juice with this, you get green. Yep. The next one is the Lucky Lemon 7 St. Patrick's Day Cocktail. So it looks like just, it just looks like lemonade. Basically, it is a combination of fresh lemon juice, 7-Up, and top-shelf vodka. Oh, top shelf vodka. So yeah. snazzy, Just huh? Throw in some lemon wedges or slices and you'll mm-hmm. be set. It looks refreshing. What alcohol is that one? Top vodka. shelf vodka. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's gonna it looks a, refreshing, though. It's going to have a strong, a strong taste. Yeah. So the next one I'll talk about is the Emerald Sunrise St. Patrick's Day Cocktail. According to moseyblue.com, the invention of this Emerald Sunrise Cocktail came about by accident. The author was making a tequila sunrise, but instead of the traditional red grenadine, uh, the person used blue curacao. 
adding the blue curaco to the orange juice and the tequila made the green drink. Yeah, so adding the blue to the orange juice and, and the, the tequila made a green drink. Yeah, okay. and actually it's a very pretty green. It is. Mm-hmm. And um, it has some, looks like orange wedges. Yeah. And they put like a three-leaf clover on it as well, which is very cute. That is so, fun. Yeah, there are lots of um, recipes online that you can go and uh, make for you and your friends. I will mention this other little tip that I found that I think is really super cute for pinch protection. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> talk Saint- about what the pinch is. So in America, yes. on St. Patrick's Day, yes. if you are not wearing green, so, you know, anywhere, you can receive a pinch by, some, by somebody, a stranger, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's like a culturally accepted thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure in today's world that it's as culturally acceptable, but... No, probably not. <laughs> it's but more, I think, <laughs> among friends and family yeah. kind of thing now. Or it better be anyways. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, <laughs> yeah. this one, for pinch protection, um, you can get green beaded necklaces and either pass them out or just wear it yourself for uh, protection yeah. during the day. So it's like fun and festive and just yeah. cute. And I you get to share a little trinket with somebody. Yeah. And it's cute because it has like this little tag that says pinch protection. Yeah. It's adorable. So the green, wearing green, makes you invisible to leprechauns so they can't pinch yeah, you. Yeah, so it's actually the leprechauns pinching you. It's right. not supposed to be your family or friends. Strangers. <laughs> or strangers. <laughs> Which you really shouldn't be pinching you. Yeah. No. But... Now, with this, you can wear some green and be safe. That's right. right. <laughs> Have lots of fun, but do it safely and responsibly. <laughs> there you go. Yes. So, I'm, I have a little quiz to give you guys, but I'm, this one I'm going to start with. I was going to start with a different one, but the one I'm going to start with. Is it a St. Patrick's Day quiz? It is a St. Patrick's oh. Day quiz. The question I'm going to start with is, what would you use to make Irish coffee? Scotch, whiskey, Guinness, or brandy? Guinness. Scotch. It is whiskey. Irish coffee is a cocktail consisting of hot coffee, Irish whiskey, and sugar stirred and topped with cream. It's something about the cream, coffee, and um, alcoholic drink. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the reason I know which one to use is because of my friend Jean had a dog named Irish Whiskey. His nickname was Whiskey, but Whiskey is what's used in Irish coffee. I didn't know Whiskey's first name was Irish. I think so. It, I think that's where it came from, Irish Whiskey. Oh. Hmm. So anyway, that's how I know Whiskey's... He didn't have an accent. He didn't, and he barked all the time. <laughs> he had yes. Beagle in him. He barked all the time. So True. we would have seen. We would have heard that accent. St. Patrick is the patron saint of what country? Canada? Scotland, Ireland, England. Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I'm going to say Ireland. Ireland. Correct. He's the foremost patron saint of Ireland, the other patron saints being Bridget of Kildare and Columba. Another one, St. Patrick's Day commemorates the blank of St. Patrick. The birth, marriage, death, or coronation of St. Patrick. Death. I'll go with birth. It's his death. I knew it was his death, but I thought I would just go with something different. Sure. On March 17th, 461 AD, St. Patrick, Christian missionary, bishop, and apostle of Ireland, died at Saul Downpatrick, Ireland, where he had built his first church. This little trivia quiz comes from UsefulTrivia.com. Useful? It is. It's It's been very useful. 
According to Irish legend, what did St. Patrick drive out of Ireland? Demons, snakes, rats, or witches? Snakes. Snakes. Yes, it is. The absence of snakes in Ireland gave rise to the legend that they had all been banished by Patrick, who chased him into the sea after they attacked him during a 40-day fast. However, most biologists maintain there were never any snakes in Ireland. So, there you mm. go. How do leprechauns earn their gold? Growing potatoes, picking pockets, collecting teeth, making shoes. What, repeat it again. Growing potatoes, picking pockets, collecting teeth, making shoes. I'm going to say growing potatoes because that just... I think collecting teeth is German. Well, that's kind of tooth fairy-ish, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and uh, what was the last one? Making shoes. Picking pockets a... and making shoes are the two that are left. Aren't those elves? Yeah. But, yeah. They, I mean, it could be anything potatoes. According to legend, they spend their time making and mending shoes, then stashing all their earnings in a hidden pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. That's right. I remember, um, so there's a leprechaun horror movie, and they're trying to distract him, and so they start throwing shoes at this leprechaun. It's super dumb. It's such a dumb horror movie. They start throwing shoes at him to slow him down, because anytime he's he there's a shoe in front of him, he has to shine it. Like he so stops everything and has to shine it. <laughs> You're that right. That is, is not a. Stupid. That is does not seem like yeah. a good setup. Because I, I knew elves did shoes with cobblers, but I didn't know leprechauns did. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess in Rankin Bass they also mentioned it, but it's Rankin Bass, so really yeah. it could be anything. All right. What color is traditionally worn on St. Patrick's Day? Blue, green, red, yellow. In the United States, it certainly is green. Right. The United States is green. Yep. St. Patrick's Day revelers thought wearing green made one invisible to leprechauns, fairy creatures who would pinch anyone they could see, as we talked about earlier. What city dyes its river green every St. Patrick's Day? Budapest, Chicago, Manchester. Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, dyeing the Chicago River green has been a St. Patrick's Day tradition since 1962. It takes 40 tons of dye to get the river to a suitably festive shade. I think we did that in a pre- we talked about that in a previous podcast too. It is very green river. It is. And it's a dye, it's a vegetable-based dye that they put in the river. And it's two families that have done it and that continue to do it. So it's ancestors of two families that started this. It's interesting to watch on YouTube because it kind of like like it slowly goes down the river, so it like kind of takes over this green, bright green takes over the the color of the river. Right, it's really neat. Hmm. What was Saint Patrick's real name? Dara, Agnes, Seamus, Maywin. Well, we know this from the Veggie Tales. It yeah. was Maywin Sucket. It is. His birth name was Maywin Sucket, but he changed his name to Patricius after becoming a priest, which then shortened to Saint Patrick. And that's an ongoing joke in the VeggieTales episode of St. Yeah. Patrick. Yeah. He keeps wanting to have his name changed from Maywin Sucket. Right. Because, yeah. <laughs> he just wants to be St. Patrick. Right. <laughs> each time. It's like, not yet. How many pints of Guinness are consumed each year on St. Patrick's Day? 1.3 million, 130 million, 13 million, 13 billion. Thirteen billion. <laughs> uh, I was going to go with the highest one, but they went like way up high. What's the second highest one? One hundred and thirty. Yes, I'll go with that one. All right. What do you think, Sid? Uh, I'll go. What was the second one? The first and second. One point three million. One hundred thirty million. One hundred thirty million. I'll go with that. Okay, so you're both on one hundred thirty yeah. million. It's thirteen million. So whew, you guys guessed really <laughs> high. Thirteen million. 
is still a lot. 13 million pints of Guinness are consumed each year on March 17th on one day. Oh, 13 wow. million pints of Guinness in one day. What did St. Patrick use shamrocks for? To illustrate the Holy Trinity as medicine, to flavor his coffee for good luck. <laughs> it could have been the flavors coffee, but I'm going to go to illustrate the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the Holy Trinity. I'm sorry, I'm going to go with to illustrate the Holy Trinity. Correct, that is right. Many claim the shamrock represents faith, hope, and love, or that it's used to teach the mystery of the Holy Trinity, which is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, all in one Right, God. all aspects of one God. Correct. What percent of Americans claim Irish ancestry? About 10%, about 40%, about 30%, about 20%. 30? 20? Okay, I was wrong, really wrong about this. I started out as guessing, I think, 40. And then I guessed everything except the right one. <laughs> so I would guess 40% on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> yeah, I know. Very good. Right? Or, or more. About 33 million Americans, or 10.5% of the total population, reported Irish ancestry. Yeah, it's interesting because we've had our DNA tested. Actually, Cole did, which covers both Beth's side of the family and my side of the family. And anyone can do this if they're willing to <laughs> to have their DNA out there. But uh, Cole decided to do this, and we have zero Irish ancestry. So we cannot claim any Irish ancestry. Well. But we can celebrate St. Patrick's Day, and celebrate the Irish culture. Well, there you go. Which I think is what many of us do. And this is, St. Patrick's Day, is a celebration of the Irish culture, which is so much fun for all of us to be Irish for a day, I guess. How long is the lease on the Irish brewery that first invented Guinness? 900 years, 90 years, 9,000 years, 9 years. Oh, it's a ridiculous question. 9,000 years. 900. Okay, that's what I guessed. In 1759, Arthur Guinness left home and headed to Dublin, where he signed a 9,000-year lease. Why would somebody sign it? At about 45 (laughs) pounds per year on a dilapidated brewery at St. James Gate. That's crazy. That is so funny. Yeah, Um, unless you were there thinking about your ancestry, right? Yeah. Even then, when I could see 900, not 9,000. 9,000 is so long. What was the first color associated with St. Patrick's Day? Yellow, black, red, or blue? Blue. Red. It was blue. St. Patrick's color was blue, not green, according to historians. The specific hue was a light shade called St. Patrick's Blue, which can still be seen on ancient Irish flags. So where was St. Patrick born? Britain, Norway, Ireland, Germany. Britain. Yeah, Britain. Yeah. St. Patrick wasn't Irish. He was born in Britain around 385 AD to an aristocratic Christian family. What happened to St. Patrick when he was 16? He almost died from the plague. He became a bishop. He was stoned to death. He was enslaved. And I will say, if you watch the VeggieTales, oh you find out the answers so to many so many of these, of these questions. Yeah. Not only was he kidnapped, but he was kidnapped by pirates. That's yes. right. <laughs> so he was enslaved. He did not get to play soccer. He did not. Mm-mm. At the age of 16, he was captured and enslaved by Irish marauders and taken as a slave to Ireland. He lived there for six years before escaping and returning to his family. What are the odds of finding a four-leaf clover? Ooh. One in 1,000? One in 100,000? One in 10,000? One in 100? 
Uh, I'm going to go with 1 in 100. That seems low, but I'm going to try that one. 1 in 10. 1 in 10,000? No, 1 in 10. There wasn't a 1 in 10. Okay, then, <laughs> then to repeat that. 1 in 1,000, 1 in 100,000, 1 in 10,000, 1 in 100. Okay, uh, 100. Okay. The chance of finding a single four-leaf clover is about 1 in 10,000. But don't tell that to Glen Alpine resident Susie Mekatarian, who plucked 21 four-leaf clovers from her front yard in 2014. Wow. She used up a lot of those. <laughs> and then, where was the first St. Patrick's Day parade? New York City, Galway, Belfast, Dublin. Dublin. No, it was New York City. The first recorded St. Patrick's Day parade was held not in Ireland, but in the United States... In New York City in 1762, when Irish soldiers serving in the English military marched through the city. So that was it. That was my fun quiz, my trivia quiz. You, not all of them, but a lot of these were answered by watching a delightful short. <laughs> That's right. Every year about St. Patrick. Or listening to other episodes that we covered on St. Patrick's Day. That's true. That's right. So future festivities are, are for the week of March 9th. March 9th is Napping Day. Oh, nice. March 10th is Mario Day, as in the Mario Brothers Super Nintendo. March 11th is National Johnny Appleseed Day. March 12th is Popcorn Lovers Day. March 13th is Friday the 13th. March 14th is Pi Day, P-I Day, because it's 3, oh, 1, 4. I'm thinking P-I-E Day. No, we had that already. And then March 15th, as Cole talked about uh, last week, I think it was, was the Ides is the Ides of March. Yep, that's right. You can always follow us on social media by following on Twitter at holiday underscore moons. On Instagram, it's holiday moons, one word. And you can find us on Facebook. Um, we have a Facebook group and page by searching holiday moons in the search bar. You can contact us at any time by sending an email to holidaymoons at gmail.com. So for Beth, Randy, and Sydney, happy, happy St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day. Day! I'll be marching along in the big parade on St. Patrick's Day. I'll be up to me neck in shamrocks as I march along the way. I'll swing that old shillelagh as I wave to each colleen. I'll tilt me ear the better to hear the wearing of the green. Oh, the Kelly's from Killarney, the Murphy's from Kildare. The Hallahans and Callahans who came from County Clare. There'll be folks from dear old Dublin all the way to County Cork. They'll be marching in the big parade right here in old New York. Oh, the mayor will be in the big parade strutting high and grand. And behind him will march a thousand cops who come from Ireland. Those beautiful songs of Erin, the band will play them all. We'll march along, we'll sing in the song, the harp will carry us all. Those sons and daughters of Erin, a hundred thousand strong, will be singing the songs of Ireland as they march along. Their eyes will shine with laughter, their hearts will all be gay, when the Irish all turn out to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. We'll be 
marching along in the big parade on St. Patrick's Day. Not for all of the tea in Dublin would I ever stay away. I'll trip the light fantastic and how proud I'm gonna feel. The band will play Go Witch It Away, a good old Irish reel. There'll be Cooley, Mulrooney, and Mickey O'Dowd Cutting up capers and pleasing the crowd Hogan and Grogan will kick up their heels Singing and dancing the jigs and the reels The Connells, O'Donnells, and Larry O'Toole Maloney, Mahoney, and Lefty O'Doul Divil a man as happy as they on St. Patrick's Day I'll be marching along in the big parade, twinkle in me eye. We'll be proud as a thousand peacocks with our heads up in the sky. I'll be there, you can bet you, when the band begins to play. And the Irish all turn out to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Patrick's Day.